Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 130 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Easter Sunday, April 17th, 2022. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Now, I have condemned the Arkansas Supreme Court decision saying school districts can force mask children no matter what their parents say for as long as they want to. I condemned it the day they came out with it. That was Thursday. Three and a half days later, my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, hasn't said a word. But Sarah is finally admitting that she does have an opponent in the Arkansas Republican primary for governor. We have the details coming up on today's episode of the Doc Washburn Show. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say it on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm the only conservative running for governor of Arkansas this year. If you would like to support my campaign, it's really easy. Go to the website, electdocwashburn.com. There you can make a financial contribution and or be a volunteer. Now, what did I mean when I said a little bit earlier, Sarah is finally admitting that she has a primary opponent? Well, her field director has gone out on Facebook and is begging for volunteers. Now, my campaign managers and I found that interesting because we have hundreds of volunteers saying, okay, when can we get started? When can we get started knocking on doors and making phone calls? And my campaign managers have been combing over the the database to try to make sure all the names and contact information on the database are legit. It's not that easy thing to do. Now, my full name is Francis Seaton Washburn, Jr. The database that we got from the Republican Party of Arkansas says I'm African-American, and they have a phone number on there that I've never seen before. So, yeah, so not everything on there is perfect. So the campaign managers are going through it with a fine-tooth comb, to make sure that we're calling folks and we're knocking on folks' doors who actually might be the people on the list and who actually might be thinking about voting in the 2022 Republican primary. Does that make sense? Okay, so so we don't have to beg for volunteers. I mean, on a regular basis, people tell me, Hey, I would love to help your campaign. I want to contribute some money, and I also like to volunteer. Or 
I can't, I, I can't afford to contribute any money, but I like to volunteer. Okay, well, go to electdocwashburn.com. And my campaign managers, Donnie Copeland and Scott Gray of Reopen Arkansas, are organizing volunteers all over the state. So, yeah. On the contrary, on the other hand, Sarah's field director is out there on Facebook with a commercial. They're actually having to do a commercial begging for campaign volunteers. This goes it goes something like this. Hey, this is Brittany, and I'm the field director for the Sarah for Governor campaign. With the May 24th primary just around the corner, our field operation has kicked into high gear, which means we're knocking on doors and making phone calls across the state almost every day. And we sure would love to have you on our team. Will you click to sign up and volunteer? A member of our team will reach out shortly. Thanks so much for your help in making Sarah Huckabee Sanders the next governor of Arkansas. Um, Sarah's raised $13 million. That's not enough to pay a staff to go knock on doors and make phone calls. Okay. Whatever you say, but see, she's been saying for what a year now, when I'm governor, when I'm governor, this, when I'm governor, that, and now she has one of her employees saying, could you please help us? We need help knocking on doors and making phone calls if we want Sarah to win the primary to be the next governor. And I'm like, oh. So I pr- I played this for my wife. She said, okay, now wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand something. So if you hadn't entered the primary, then she wouldn't have a primary, right? I'm like, well, yeah, right, exactly. And my wife's like, yeah, because I thought that if you're unopposed in the primary, right, then you got nothing to worry about. Right, okay, all right, got that. She said, now the Democrats, I said, well, there are five of them running for governor. So, yeah, they got a primary, big time. But, yeah, my wife thought, thought, thought this was remarkable, just remarkable that I'm telling you, their internal polling must be troubling them for them to do something like this. Everywhere I go, people tell me, Hey, we were supporting Sarah, but, man, you just won my vote, man. Absolutely. And some of these people say, like in Moralton, when we spoke there the other night, yeah, I used to listen to you on the radio and love your show, but I was going to vote for Sarah, but good grief, I'm voting for you now. Other people in other places, like Hot Springs and Mina, are like, yeah, we never heard of you before, but uh, we can't wait to vote for you. We've been supporting Sarah, but you're the guy. Every where I go. So, as I've been saying, Sarah raised $13 million. She's still going to other states and charging people five or $6,000 a plate to hear her speak for 10 or 15 minutes. Now, what do you think those donors think they're going to get in return? Um, probably not conservative fiscal policies if she's governor. I think that's a pretty safe bet. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm campaigning all over Arkansas, not Birmingham, Alabama, not Austin, Texas, not Mar-a-Lago, not Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but Arkansas, going to talk to people for free. 
and people hand me checks. And people go on our website, electdocwashburn.com, and contribute there. Yeah, I don't need $13 million to win this primary. I don't even need 10% of that. I don't even need $1.3 million. If I can raise 1% of what Sarah has raised, if I can raise 130000 I know I'll be the nominee. I mean, y'all, it's starting to look like I'm going to win this thing. But it's not because of anything about me. It's not because of anything that I'm doing. It's because our message is resonating with people. And it's because this is a God thing. This was not my idea. All right, I want you to hear the new commercial that we have out. This week, Sarah Huckabee Sanders doubled down on her pledge to continue Asa Hutchinson's policy of slowly reducing income taxes by a fraction of 1% annually. And begin to phase out the state income tax. Our Kansans need relief now, Sarah. We don't need to phase out income taxes over the rest of our lives. Let's cut it out. Get rid of it. No more individual income tax. No more small business income tax. No more filing Arkansas tax returns. I think we have to begin to phase out our income tax, but we have to do it responsibly. We have to make sure that we're prepared uh, to make up that lost revenue. It's not going to be. I'm Doc Washburn, the conservative Republican candidate for governor of Arkansas. I'll sign bills immediately, eliminating the state income tax, getting rid of sales taxes on groceries, and ending sales taxes on all used goods, including vehicles, so you can keep more of your own money. You know, Sarah says we have to phase it out gradually. we got to be responsible. we got to be able to afford to do it. Uh, Sarah... Arkansas state government is sitting on $1.2 billion tax surplus. And you don't think we can just get rid of the personal income tax in Arkansas? I can't help you on that, sir. Bless your heart. I can't help you. Now, I'm often reminded of the story out of uh, the book of Judges in the Old Testament about uh, Gideon's army. You ever heard that one? Judges chapter 7, then Zerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. 
So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who, who laps the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands into, putting their hands to their mouths, was three hundred men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, "With the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand, and let all the others go, every man to his home." So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp, and the Midianites and the Amalekites, and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without and their camels were without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade, against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Bethshittah towards Zerara, as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabith. And the men of Israel 
were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messages throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth Bara and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Bara and also the Jordan River. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb. They killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. So I'm reminded of that sometimes when I think about overwhelming odds. And about the fact that uh, people have told me that they don't see how in the world in a peaceful political campaign, which is totally different than, you know, a time of war in the Old Testament, but in a peaceful political campaign, how somebody with not much money can beat somebody who has raised $13 million. And it's just a matter of whether the Lord blesses the campaign or not. So if I defeat Sarah Huckabee Sanders for the Republican nomination for governor in the state of Arkansas, the first thing I plan on saying on the night of the primary in a victory speech is praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because it would truly be a God thing. It wouldn't be a doc thing. It'd be a God thing. No two ways about it. So I think it's very important. I think it's very important that we give credit where it's due. So, um, about this deal about reducing taxes and um, Sarah's intention of not hurrying, just doing it gradually. So, you know, we might might eventually get rid of the personal income tax decades from now. She's talking about the same thing Aza's talking about. Um, 0.2%. Get rid of 0.2% each year. Okay, that's nuts. That's absolutely, positively nuts. And I got the receipts. I'll prove to you that it's nuts and that we need to get rid of the personal income tax right away. Right away. Again, I'm the guy who's saying, you elect me governor, and I will drastically cut the size and scope of the Arkansas state government to get them off your back and out of your pocket. Get rid of the personal income tax. Not, 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 not gradually reduce it 0.2% a year like Sarah and Aza say. No, get rid of it. Get rid of the income tax on small businesses. Get rid of the tax on used goods like used cars, used children's clothes. Get rid of the 2.25% state 
tax. We still have on groceries, even though some people in the legislature say we got rid of it. No, 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 no. I got a receipt. 2.25% income tax, uh, not income tax, tax on groceries in the year 2022. We still have it. I'm the guy that's saying that. Sarah's like, well, no, gradually, slowly. Okay, that's why we call her a rhino and we call me a conservative. Capiche? Anyway, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove it here momentarily. That's what's up. That's what's up. It's the real deal. I mean, I'm not going to speak in generalities. Like Sarah's uh, campaign commercial about we're not going to let the let the left indoctrinate our children. Well, the left is indoctrinating our children in public schools. How specifically would she stop it? I'd sign a bill outlawing critical race theory. I'd sign a bill outlawing talking to children in public schools about sex and gender a lot later than the third grade. Now, Rob DeSantis signed a bill in uh, Florida, God bless him, pre-K through third grade. He wanted to do it later, but um, he got pushback in his own legislature. So he signed it for as late as he could get votes on. And that's one of the things that you, you have to do. Anyway, all that coming up, um, we're so thankful for our advertisers who make it possible for us to do what we do. Can't thank these guys enough. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guide you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, 
you see the big, bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says schedule, call now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, let's talk about lowering taxes. Let's talk about getting rid of taxes in the state of Arkansas, okay? All right, first of all, I want to take a look at what Forbes magazine said about Arkansas. Just last year, less than a year ago, July 9th, 2021, Adam Millsap wrote the article entitled Eliminating Its Income Tax Will Help Arkansas's Economy. Really? So eliminating it, huh? Adam Millsap and Forbes says, Getting tax policy right is important. Some taxes are necessary. But how a government raises tax revenue matters since taxes affect behavior. Income taxes are a common source of revenue, but taxing income causes people to work less and to save less, which reduces economic growth. Recognizing this, some people in Arkansas want to eliminate 
the state's income tax. To make the state a better place to work and run a business. This is a laudable goal that will help the state's economy, but only if done well. And he links to an article, Channel 7 KTV, March 10th, 2021. Arkansas Senator files bill to eliminate state income tax. That was State Senator Trent Garner, Garner from El Dorado, Arkansas. Now, if you're outside Arkansas, that's how we pronounce it here. We don't pronounce it El Dorado like in Texas. We pronounce it El Dorado. Anyway, let me get back to Forbes. Eight United States, eight U.S. states do not tax individual income. Florida and Texas are the most famous, but Nevada, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Washington State are a few of the other states without an income tax. Other states have a flat income tax with only one rate, such as North Carolina and Illinois, while others have, have progressive tax systems, income tax systems like the federal governments, including California, Ohio, and Arkansas. Arkansas's income tax system is a little complicated. It has three rate schedules based on income, and its highest rate is 5.9%. While complicated, the income tax code is less distortionary compared to many other states. California has 10 rates, the highest being 13.3%, which is levied on every dollar earned above a million. Arkansas recently finished its fiscal year with a $946 million surplus, the highest on record. Oh, it's higher a year later. We're at $1.2 billion now. As a result, there reports Governor Asa Hutchinson wants to build on his previous tax cut that cut the top rate from 6.9% to the current 5.9%. A potential cut to 5.5% is making the news, but some want to go further and join Texas and Florida by eliminating the income tax. There is robust evidence that income taxes reduce economic growth by discouraging working and saving. One recent study found that workers, I hate that word. How about employees? One recent study found that employees and businesses moved to states with lower personal income tax and corporate tax burdens. Another study found that top scientists and innovative companies are especially sensitive to higher taxes and often migrate in response to state tax increases. More anecdotally, from 1992 to 2018, Arkansas gained $1.4 billion in income from taxpayers who moved in from higher tax California and Illinois, while it lost almost $600 million in income from taxpayers who moved away from Arkansas to Florida and Tennessee, two of the states with no income tax. All else equal, eliminating its income tax would help Arkansas attract more businesses and entrepreneurs by making it more competitive with states like Tennessee and Florida. But in the real world, it's hard to hold all else equal when eliminating a source of revenue as big as Arkansas's income tax. Arkansans paid over $3.5 billion in personal and corporate income taxes in 2019 and 2020, 
as shown in the first figure below. He's got a graph. The bulk of this account, pardon me, the bulk of this amount, around $3 billion, or 85%, was from personal income tax. As the next figure shows, he's got a pie chart. Personal and corporate income taxes combined are the largest source of tax revenue, making up 42% of all tax revenue in 2020. The state's consumer sales tax contributed 39% to total tax revenue. Arkansas's economy would grow faster without an income tax, but it would not grow fast enough to offset all the revenue it would lose. There's always room for governments to become more efficient and cut unnecessary spending, but cutting around $3 billion in spending would be hard to do in the short run. The financial reality, this financial reality does not mean Arkansas cannot eliminate its income tax, but it does need to be careful. One option is to slowly cut the income tax rates over time while raising the state standard deduction. Does that sound familiar? As economist Jer- Jeremy Horpdahl points out, North Carolina raised its standard deduction from 3000 to 10750 over an eight-year period. If Arkansas did something similar while also whittling down its tax rates by 0.2 to 0.5 percentage points per year, it would be well on its way to fully eliminating the income tax. Another option, though less attractive, is to increase revenue from another source. The sales tax base could be broadened to include currently exempted goods and services such as newspapers, some software, and certain medical services. This would bring in some additional revenue and eliminate distortions that arise when some final goods and services are taxed while others are not. He says Arkansas should avoid raising its sales tax rate, however, as it already has the third highest average state and local sales tax rate in the country. If revenue must be raised, broadening the base is a better first step. For Arkansas to get the greatest economic impact from eliminating its income tax, it must control spending. All taxes, sales, income, property, pull money out of the private economy. Governments that can do more with less leave more resources in the hands of taxpayers who can invest it or spend it. Arkansas has a surprisingly high-spending state government. In fiscal year 2018, it spent close to $11,000 per capita. Tennessee's and Florida state governments only spent about 5700 and 4300 respectively, in their recent budgets. Some of this difference is due to differences in local government spending across states, but even when local spending is considered, Arkansas's government spends about 11% more per capita than Florida's and 16% more than Tennessee's. Florida and Tennessee do not need an income tax in part because they spend less money and thus need less revenue. One easy way for Arkansas to cut spending is to quit funding its Quick Action Closing Fund. The stated purpose of this fund is to help attract businesses to Arkansas via special cash grants, but there's no evidence that the $223 million spent since 2007 has led to an increase in overall employment. Other studies also fail to find that targeted tax incentives generate economic growth. Eliminating the Quick Action Closing Fund as part of broader tax reform is a good idea. Eliminating its income tax is a worthy goal for Arkansas and other states' show it is possible. To do it successfully and maximize the economic impact, 
Arkansas needs to control spending and be prudent about raising other taxes. If Arkansas's officials can pull it off, we can. The natural state will be a better place to live, work, and do business. Yeah. See, that's Adam Millsap over at uh, Forbes magazine. See, one of the things he's leaving out is all of the waste, the fraud, the abuse in the state government. Yeah, we can get rid of the income tax right away. Right away. All right. Now, I want to go to uh, a short article over ConduitNews.com, our friends at Conduit, written by my friend David Crow. And this was over in uh, 2017. And it's called A Comparison of the Size of Arkansas Government and How Much It Costs Taxpayers. And David Crow begins, no way he did not say that. He says, about a month ago, I heard in a TV interview where Senator Jonathan Dismang, state senator of Arkansas, following the general session, commented that, quote, Arkansas did not, have a, did not have a spending problem. It had a revenue problem, unquote. Then a few days later, I heard our own Governor Hutchinson say on a radio interview the same thing. My immediate thought was, no way, he did not say that. This was very confusing because I thought all along we were overtaxed and they were trying to make, trying to cut taxes through reforming our tax structure and hopefully cut spending. Well, I decided to do a little research, and here is some of what I found. In 2015, he says, the most recent financial reporting at that time, which is 2017 when he wrote it, says Arkansas spent almost $24 billion in tax dollars. Now, that's almost 8000 per capita versus contiguous states that spent, on average, almost 5500 per capita. Okay, that means that it's gone way up in the four years since David Crow wrote this at Conduit News 2017 and Adam Millsap wrote his thing at Forbes in 2021. Wow. In other words, we spent 45% more than the average of Oklahoma, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. When compared to the total U.S. states, average of uh, 5700 per capita, I found Arkansas spent 39% more than the total U.S. average. He says, later I shared these numbers at a meeting. I was asked by a state representative who attended that meeting to remove Texas from totals of contiguous states due to its large population and the impact it might have on the numbers. After doing so, I found that Arkansas still spent 38.5% more than the other five contiguous states minus Texas. So not much change there. In addition, the state representative asked that I compare Arkansas with all states in the U.S. where population was similar to Arkansas. So it was determined we would compare to those whose population was plus or minus a million of Arkansas's population. 
These states included Oklahoma, Utah, Connecticut, Iowa, Kansas, Mississippi, and Nevada. Their average spending was $5,770, so $5,770 per capita. I found that Arkansas still spent 37.5% more than states with comparable population. Arkansas' total spending in 2015 was almost $24 billion state and federal tax dollars. Therefore, if Arkansas legislators and the governor were to reduce spending by the 37.5%, the average of comparable states number, we would save $8.8 billion. That is a really big number. <clears throat> David Crow at Conduit News says, I've always felt that Arkansas state government was a bit oversized, having watched it grow so much over the years. As a matter of fact, I believed it was a bit bloated. I thought a good place to start looking for cost savings would be unemployment. There were over 63,000 full-time equivalent employees in state government in 2015. Okay? I found that state of Arkansas employs... 213 people per 10,000. When excluding employees who are part of education, it leaves 122 people per 10,000 in population, which comes to almost 36,000 employees. The average employment, including education workforce in surrounding states, was 87, about 88 people, about 88 people per 10,000. That's a lot less. That means we employed 39% more people in comparable jobs than the average surrounding states did. Wow. So when you add all that up, looks like we got something like 14,000 excess employees compared to the average of the surrounding states. No doubt we have a bloated government requiring excess taxes and spending to compensate them. Assume the average state employee pay benefits and tax would be fifty thousand a year. Fifty thousand times that about fourteen thousand excess employees we have the state government, you're talking about almost seven hundred million dollars potential savings annually. It's evident that Arkansas has been and continues to be on a spending binge which no doubt makes it very difficult to reduce taxes on the Arkansas citizens and businesses. And with Governor Hutchinson and legislative leadership, then of Senator Dismang and then of House Speaker Jeremy Gilliam, Gilliam, increasing spending 3% at each of the past three legislative sessions going into 2017, regretfully there seems to be little chance we can expect any effort on their part to cut spending. You couple that with their effort to increase taxes by approximately $400 million in 2016, the last session before this was written in 2017. David Crow says, I don't hold out much hope. We'll see significant reform. He says, we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. That's David Crow, chairman of the Fartner County Tea Party, over at Conduit News, June 7th, 2017. Y'all... It would not be hard to get rid of the personal income tax, the income tax of small businesses, and the tax on groceries and the tax on used goods, including used cars in this state. 
if we have the political will to cut the government, get it down to the size of uh, other states surrounding us, get it down to the size of states about the same population as ours, wouldn't be hard at all. Wouldn't be hard at all. I had a remarkable comment here on the Podbean app. Uh, somebody listening live as we're recording this at, uh, and doing it live at 1049 Central Time, Sunday night. She says, with the Quick Action Closing Fund, Arkansas hasn't been able to, to attract many businesses at all. The primary reason for that is Arkansas is the highest tax state in the region. Neither Sarah nor Asa understand that. Yeah, that's right. They don't. But I do. Neither Sarah nor Asa want to do anything about that. That's right. They don't. But I do. And that's one of the many reasons that wherever I go, my message is warmly received. And people tell me, hey, we were supporting Sarah, but we didn't know about you. We didn't know what you were doing. Brother, we're going to vote for you now. Can Can I have a sign, please? Absolutely. Ab so positively lutely. No question about it. No question about it. Um now you remember Aza was a guy who wanted everybody to wear masks down to three years old, right? You get that? Aza was a guy who uh closed down a lot of small businesses for good in twenty twenty. Aza was the guy who uh, vetoed the bill to uh, outlaw chemical castration of little kids. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the person who says Aza was doing a good job. No. No, come on, man. Well, she's not a man, but you know what I'm saying. How can you be from Arkansas? I mean, you are from Arkansas, right, Sarah? How can you be from Arkansas and be that out of touch, say Ace has been doing a good job? He should have been kicked out of the Republican Party simply for vetoing the bill to try to protect children from being chemically castrated. That should have been enough to kick him out of the Republican Party. But it wasn't, apparently. Still a member in good standing. Sarah still thinks he's been doing a good job. So, I mean, do you want four to eight more years of the same old thing? Status quo? Oh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll reduce your personal income tax 0.2% per year. Seriously? Is that what you want? Or do you want somebody who's going to get the state government off your back and out of your pocketbook? The choice is clear, y'all. Not even going to lie, fam. The choice is clear. And I'm just thrilled every chance we get to share our message with folks because it's always warmly received. I coming up something shocking about the China virus and the vaccines and from a very authoritative source. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. 
and he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines? Neck pain? Back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes... You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has an organization called Children's Defense League, and he keeps on getting the truth out about the vaccines. Now he's he's a very healthy guy, but he just has a difficult uh, difficulty with his voice box, difficulty speaking. You know, he's 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 not in a wheelchair or anything. It's just uh, some kind of situation with his with his larynx. But he was on a podcast recently with with of all people Mike Tyson, Robert F Kennedy Jr. The allegations he makes about the vaccine companies, you're going to stand up and, and, and take notice on this. The four companies that make all 72 of those vaccines, which is Pfizer, oh, Merck, Glaxo, Merck, and Sanofi, um, all of those companies are convicted felons. And not only that, they're serial felons. Their business model is committing felonies. These companies in the last 10 years collectively 
have paid $35 billion in penalties, damages, fines for falsifying science, for defrauding regulators, for lying to doctors, and for killing hundreds of thousands of people. Vioxx, which was Merck's yeah. flagship product, yeah. killed between 120,000 and 500,000 Americans. This was a pill and Merck was selling as a headache pill. Right. And Merck knew caused heart attacks and killed people, and they didn't tell anybody. And they knew a certain, you know, we got the spreadsheets that show their bean counters, their accountants, and this is, you're going to kill so many people per dose, we can still make more money, even if they all sue us. And in the end, they killed, you know, up to half a million Americans, and they got away with it. They got, they paid $7 billion in fines. Nobody went to jail. And this is, Probably you know. $100 million in profits. Yeah. So this is a company, these, it, it requires kind of a cognitive dissonance to uh-huh. believe that these companies that are lying and cheating on every other pharmaceutical product, every other medical device that they create, are somehow found Jesus with vaccines and aren't lying to us. And the thing is with vaccines, vaccines is the only place they could never get caught because it's illegal in this country to sue a vaccine company. There you go. The other voice you heard, oddly enough, was Mike Tyson. But um, yeah, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., their Children's Defense League, saying that uh, all the vaccine companies are uh, felons who've killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. I just thought, I don't know, I didn't know who needed to hear that, but um, I thought it might be of interest to you. You know? Thought you might want to know. Now, let me uh, let me share with you the most important thing that ever happened in the world. Here's an article from Ken Klukowski over at Breitbart about it. It's called Christians Celebrate Easter 2022, quote, If Christ has not been raised, your f- faith is futile. Unquote. So, begins with a quote from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the article says, Christians celebrate Easter this Sunday, proclaiming the cornerstone of their faith, that Jesus Christ rose from the grave in a bodily resurrection, alone among the world's religions, Christians believe that on the third day after his public execution on Good Friday, the founder and focus of their faith rose from the dead. The Bible contains four Gospels containing the historical narrative 
outside Jerusalem, Israel, in AD 30. But the New Testament is full of additional chapters and passages on the topic of the resurrection. One chapter is found in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth. The Apostle Paul, who early in his career went by the name Saul, had been a zealous persecutor of the new church, hunting down Christians, but on the road to Damascus, traveling there in the next stage of his crusade against the early church, Paul experienced a radical conversion to Christianity, claiming that the risen Christ appeared to him and spoke with him, and that Jesus had appeared to 500 people at once, inviting his readers to go talk to these people if the readers doubted his story. Paul's message in this chapter is that Christianity is not about becoming a better person. He says that Jesus of Nazareth was not a wise philosopher, a great moral example, or inspirational leader. Instead, Paul claims that Jesus is divine, that after his crucifixion and burial, his body came back to life days later and that hundreds saw him afterward. Then, in a statement that would shock many today, Paul says that if Jesus did not physically rise from the dead, then Christianity would be worthless and Christians should be pitied because they waste their lives on a lie. Now, Paul lost his comfortable life in Judaism when he became a Christian, but then became the most prolific of all the New Testament writers and years later was martyred for his faith, which he said was welcomed because Jesus' resurrection meant that one day Paul would be resurrected as well. From the first epistle of Paul to the church at Corinth, we read, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam 
all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must be on the must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And that is the Apostle Paul from his first letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through verse 28, and verse 50 through verse 53. I don't know if you knew or not. Uh, I know some of the people hearing this know. But there are other people who think that it is noble to take a leap of faith and to hope that Christianity is true, but not really be sure. Right here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives the historical proof that it is true, but he also says if it weren't true, then we're all fools to be pitied. You know, being willing to you know, give our lives, if necessary, for something that's not true. He assures you it is true. And, and again, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, there were still almost 500 people alive at that point who had seen Jesus Christ after he had been resurrected. He said, go talk to him. I got witnesses all over the place. Ken Klukowski, Breitbart News contributor, winds his article up, quoting uh, songwriter Matt Boswell, his song for 2013 called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, who said, Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him, praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes, unquote. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I hope that on this Easter day, or Resurrection Day, whichever you want to call it, I hope that that is a, an encouragement for you. An encouragement for you. All right, you know, I believe... I believe it's about that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. It believes in freedom. 
including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to, online, and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. And so today's tweet of the day is from Johnny Artavanis. hope I said his last name right, Artavanis. He's the uh, dean of campus life at Masters University, that is John MacArthur's place, and the host of the Dial-In podcast and a contributor to the For the Gospel Minute and also content director at the TM Fellowship, the Masters Fellowship. So Johnny Artavanis is a busy guy. And the tweet of the day he has here says, Muhammad, dead and in the grave. Buddha, dead and in the grave. Confucius, dead and in the grave. Krishna, dead and in the grave. Jesus, alive, seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us and coming soon for his people. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for whom all blessings flow. Thank you, Johnny Artavanis, for today's tweet of the day. And, and again, remember, if the Lord allows me to be nominated Republican nominee for governor of Arkansas, the first thing I plan to say on primary night is praise God from whom all blessings flow. But it, Because notwithstanding the fact that I have so many people helping me, it's a God thing. I would not have been doing this if the Lord hadn't put it on my heart to do it. All right, you've been listening to episode 130 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Sunday, April 17th, 2022.